sir, we are back. It's another Saturday night in South Florida. Coming to you live from an underground bunker in Northeast Dade. It's still musky and humid, but we do what we can. I'm Captain Brunch. And I'm the man with the master plan. Chimp. So, what are we going to do tonight, Chimp? Uh, complain about random things, hopefully. Oh, I was hoping you would say the same thing we do every night. But yeah, no. I definitely wasn't going to say that. Oh, okay. Sorry. It's all right. It happens to all of us. Is it a holiday weekend or something? I don't know. I don't celebrate holidays. I've been driving around and everything seems closed. Like, am I missing out on something? Mm, not that I know of. Mm. Um, so if anyone knows what we're missing out on, you let us know. It's Boost us your answers. <laughs> that would be nice, wouldn't it? I guess it would be, but you know, whatever. We probably don't have anybody listening to us yet on the podcasting 2.0 apps. So again, you know, if you don't have one yet, you definitely need to get one. Now, the only ones that are lit, which means that you could listen to us live through the podcasting 2.0 app are Podverse and CurioCaster. Otherwise, you know, you got the HTTP colon forward slash forward slash stream dot audio ghost dot Miami. <laughs> wow, you memorize it. I know because I keep typing it over and over and over again. And so, but you know, that's only while we're live. So as soon as I, as soon as like I cut off the stream, it goes back to whatever random ass thing you've got on your playlist, which is like music. And it's got also like your other podcast that you do. What's that one called? It is still uh, HTTPS just for people who are wondering because uh, the, um, the audio goes Miami just links to, it redirects to the, um, the actual stream link, which is encrypted. So don't worry about that. So, you know, I was thinking recently about podcasting 2.0 as kind of the full circle of the Bitcoin value proposition that I think was first induced by WikiLeaks whenever that was a long time ago that all those credit card companies had cut them off. And Satoshi called that the hornet's nest. You know, he said like the attention that that brought to Bitcoin was kicking the hornet's nest and that the swarm was going to come for us. Um, and I think that was recently highlighted on uh, the podcasting 2.0 um, podcast in regards to Todd Cochran. There was a clip on PayPal and censorship and value for value then as the way for podcasters to broadcast without censorship. Now, to me, like the, the issue kind of comes down to the hosting. That's always like the thing that I'm always like, you know, well, what if the host gets one of those letters? But that's something that we're we're always kind of thinking about. And we do pay for like hosting right now, but there's always the possibility that we might one day explore something like self-hosting. I would certainly like to explore something like that, maybe like um, interplanetary file system. Interplanetary file system. And then I've also mentioned... Pod server, which is an open source like BTC pay server integration, which allows you to self-host your self-host your podcast and then like integrate the lightning value for value payments like directly into your node. So my question is, because right now we're I mean we're kind of self-hosted. We're like we're on a cloud server per se. And and it's really the cloud that's that's serving the files and everything. But it's 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 not like we have a hosting company per se. What do you mean we don't have a hosting company? Like wherever who wherever the, who owns those cloud com servers? 
Digital Ocean. Okay, so that's, that's our hosting. That's our hosting story, obviously. Yeah, but but it's it, it's it's kind of the same way where if we had a computer, we'd still be putting files there and, and and setting everything up. So my question is, how different is it from you know actually serving the files from your computer? And you know, in terms of bandwidth, like like people constantly pulling Obviously. the file. So that would really only work if we weren't very popular. And then if we became popular and we had a lot of people who were pulling the stream, who were downloading the files, that would require us to find other means of serving the files because that's, you know, like, for instance, like Comcast is, regardless of, of what the kind of data is, I, I only have like so much upstream. So, you know, those are valid concerns and I don't know enough about it yet, but we'll... It's not really an issue. We're not self-hosted. We are paying DigitalOcean. <laughs> boost! I had to s stop you real quick. We do have a boost coming in from Sam Bank Bankman-Fried via Podverse with 10,000 sats. <laughs> oh, man. Well, what is, this is my favorite podcast. Sam Bankman-Fraud, thank you very much for chiming <laughs> in. Um, you're more than welcome to donate lots and lots of sats. I'm kind of disappointed that it was 10,000. Hey, um, it's our second largest boost. Yeah, but if this is his <laughs> attempt at a takeover, that's not very good. Um, he's not trying very hard. Like, I feel like we're worth at least as much as like the Voyager takeover attempt or whatever. I don't, I don't know that, that many details. So, <laughs> um, so we do have like a website kind of theoretically planned. It's not, it's not in the works yet, but it's plan to be in the works. And so I'm looking forward to that. I know my, my main kind of goal or aspiration for the website is that we are going to have as many of the, the most modern like Bitcoin features and plugins and all that stuff. The issue is that I, I don't, you know, I don't know how to make any of that stuff happen. So we're, we'll eventually find the right people and connect the right dots and and it will happen. I'm not, I'm not worried about that. I'm, I'm putting it out there and maybe Sam Bankman Freed can, can find, uh, can find someone who's willing to, you know, Oh, actually I do have an interesting thing that's related to this. It's so not the website, but you know, I started doing this discord server. I've had this discord server for months now, or maybe even longer than that. And it was just my dad and I, and he like never goes on it almost. So, like there's nothing going on. And I was like, you know what, instead of starting a new discord server specifically for like, let's say Bitcoin brunch or for specifically for us, I was just like, let me just use the one that I already have and then shove all, you know, all my things in there. And so that's what I'm doing right now. And then I, I I'm getting someone from the Bitcoin education server to create this bot and the bot, what it's going to do is it's going to lock down some of the rooms in the server. And the only way to access those rooms is to send Satoshis to us. Um, now, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a way to integrate lightning and micropayments. It's a way to integrate like value um, and anti-spam mechanisms. It reminds me of a Sphinx chat. If you remember that. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm not trying to do anything as complex as Sphinx chat, but so for instance, there was this idea that, that we had at Bitcoin brunch months ago that we called shill and tell. 
And it was just a phrase that we kind of used to describe when someone would come to pot to, to Bitcoin brunch and they would start shilling their projects. And it's like, oh, you know, it's another shill and tell. And it, it would be easier to handle if we kind of knew that that was going to happen. But when someone kind of comes and they're just like slithering like a little snake and getting into the conversation and you're like, oh, here's like a normal human being. And then suddenly they're like, <laughs> and they start showing their true color. So, so in the, in my server, I'm going to have like a shill and tell room. And the idea is that the people who shill have to pay to put messages there and the Bitcoiners, they don't have to pay to put messages there. So if they wanted to, for some reason, expose themselves to this shilling, they could go to this one room and they could look at, like maybe they could even get paid for it, whatever. Anyways, I'm, I'm, I'm not going that far. That's too much work. But so the idea is that, you know, to like just milk these, these altcoiners of their sets and also to get them to use sets, right? Like get them to acquire sets. But I think they'd realize that, oh, you know, there's no, I don't want actually in this room. So they're not really going to be listening to me. It's like, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like putting all the advertising on one corner. Well, then people are not going to want to do it because people would just ignore that corner. No, people are not going to ignore it. You're it's gonna, like, people it's are like, going to be like, oh, this is such an interesting project because you're, st- you're going to have like other altcoiners who for some reason come to the server who are going to be attracted to those products and they're going to like ask questions and there's going to be, true, true. It's, this is, the, it's, you know, this is organic. I've already seen it happen at Bitcoin brunch. I've done it over 70 times. I've had like dozens and dozens of altcoiners just come. It's called Bitcoin brunch. We've had this conversation before. It's like, there's no, nothing hidden. I'm not like hiding anything about it. It's called Bitcoin brunch, but people come and shill their altcoins. You know, I don't know what to tell you. I, I'm not, you know, I don't want to hold it against them, but I want to charge them for it. Well, it's, be, it's, <laughs> it's become a popular spot. So, so people want to advertise their shit like right when, where it's, it reminds me of a recent argument on one of these fucking telegram chats right in the middle of it. Some shill comes and says, Oh, are you ready for, you know, whatever party? And it was just like, wow, what perfect timing. <laughs> well, that's why you need like moderators and stuff and people ready to like press the fucking, excuse me, report and kick and whatever buttons. And, um, I mean, and that's why I want to have that kind of a thing, right? So that like, there's a space for the people who just legitimately want to go and try to market their crap to people who they think have a bunch of money or who can connect them to people who have a bunch of money or who maybe would want to give them a bunch of what, you know, whatever, like whatever the reason is that people show up to a random event that's about Bitcoin. They have aspirations. Yeah. We've all got, we've got all got aspirations. I, I've got aspirations that we're going to have an awesome website one day and Saturday night lit.com. <laughs> I'm so excited, dude. Oh man. Yeah. So Saturday night lit.com does not go to anything <laughs> right now. No, it goes to a white page with some but eventually text. it'll go to something. Um, Another aspiration, something I want to talk a little bit more about because it's starting to come together. The Bitcoin vortex is coalescing. And so right now, the tentative date, and I hope it stays real. And by announcing it on a podcast that's going to be recorded and put on the Internet, it will have to happen this way. Otherwise, people will be embarrassed. It's going to be (laughs) uh, February 3rd, 4th, 5th and 6th of 2023 so that's several months to plan for it several i mean uh, plan for it right like the idea is this is it's just the local bitcoin meetups and they're all going to happen on those days so the idea is that miami bitcoiners meet up on friday february 4th we can have the 
Broward Bitcoiners meetup and various other meetups on the Saturday, February 5th, right? And then uh, the 6th will be Bitcoin Brunch, and then the 7th will be uh, BitDevs. And so speaking of BitDevs, that that is going to be actually our special guest in a few minutes uh, is Roz, who hosts BitDevs here in Miami. So um, obviously this is one of the reasons why I brought the topic up to begin with, but I definitely wanted to update people because... So the the Bitcoin Vortex, the whole idea is it's trying to bring together the South Florida Bitcoiners. It's trying to create kind of like this uh, gravitational pull thing. And uh, that's why I'm calling it a vortex. Um, If someone, for some reason, had the time, they could spend and get four days of of local Bitcoin events. I'm also trying to get other Bitcoin events involved. So there's... uh, West Palm Beach, like Bitcoin meetup. So the idea would be maybe we can get a bunch of people uh, on the, the what's it called now? Is it Brightline? We can get a bunch of people on the Brightline to go to the like West Palm Beach Brightline station and we could probably get picked up or, or like rent a big car or something and, and go to the meetup there. And then uh, whatever. So that we have all those meetups set up and ready to go. So um, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I'm looking forward to continuing p- to put that together and to have more announcements. There's, I already bought the Bitcoin vortex.com. <laughs> I know I'm like addicted to, to these domains. It's so easy. It's so easy. You just like, you, you do, you know, you just like search and see if someone owns it. And if they don't, you're like, Oh, I can own this until the bill is due. And you're like, Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> I was looking at the list. Okay. So I almost deleted one today. Um, it was cryptobits.com, I think, or something like that. And so cryptobits was the idea, the, the title idea I had for like a Bitcoin podcast. And that was when I was kind of like first getting back into Bitcoin after a long time. And so I didn't necessarily like understand and feel the great aversion to the word crypto by Bitcoiners. And so like now I, I no longer have the same affinity for that word. And so it was like, I was, I was actually going to like cancel the auto renew. I'm like, oh, you know what? Let me just save this, like, whatever, this little bit of money. Sell it for sats. And then I decided not to. I'm like, ah, you know, maybe I'll still use the name. It's a great name. Like, I was I was actually going to, I was making a Twitter post, and I was saying, I'm getting rid of CryptoBits.com, and it's like an amazing name for, like, a podcast or a show about crypto. And then I'm thinking, but you know what? It would also be a really great show title for something that was about cryptography and Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, you know, well, let me just hold on to it. It's not that much money. And so I decided to, uh, to hold on to it. And, uh, and so I still have it. I didn't sell it. And that is me being a privileged, filthy, spoiled American. As interesting as that sounds, I think we have a call coming in. So. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. Well, what does the, what does the internet bring to us? And behind num- door number one, Roz. Can you can you hear us? Hello. Yeah, so I'm so happy to have you on the show. We've got our, our friend and, and local man, Roz. Hey, he grew up in, uh, in Palm Beach County, but he moved to Miami to attend the University of Miami in 2009. And that's where he met the co-founders of his first startup, which uh, connected farmers and chefs in a peer-to-peer market, which... Uh, uh, you know, I, I've heard some a little bit of that story, and you're more than welcome to tell us that that story. Once that uh, company got acquired, um, you uh, let me see. 
post-acquisition, you worked for a software company, you managed products, and uh, you started to study Bitcoin, peer-to-peer electronic cash, the open source software ecosystem. And so you spent about five years in the Bay Area. I was there a little bit long last time ago. And then you came back to Miami. And uh, that's actually, I met you just before you moved back to Miami. Uh, You came to Bitcoin Brunch, and I was so happy to have met you um, because you told me that you were going to be uh, starting up the Miami BitDevs monthly meetup. And I've long said that BitDevs is my favorite of the Bitcoin meetups because that's where people go to learn about the actual technical, technological side of Bitcoin. So, Roz, thanks so much for coming on the show. Welcome. Right on. Thank you, guys. I'm uh, honored that you guys uh, find uh, me worthy of a guest spot on this uh, exciting thing you got going on. I'm keeping it lit over here. So, well, you know, uh, to me, hopefully a good chat about uh, some cool stuff tonight. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm trying to highlight as many of like the local people as I can, like people who are working on interesting projects, people who are diving into Bitcoin, people who are helping to promote and explore Bitcoin. And you are a natural fit because of your interest in the value for value model and in podcasting 2.0. So that's, I'm so happy to have you. I mean, I didn't bring you on to talk about that specifically, um, but why don't you tell us a little bit about what your passion is in, in the space, in, in, like you said, open source and distributed systems. Right on. So yeah, I mean, I I kind of got attracted to Bitcoin originally, like many of us, with the number go up as like, a, hey, this is an interesting thing. You know, you get some Bitcoin, and later you can sell it and get you know get more dollars. After kind of diving in a little deeper, reading the white paper, studying a little bit, I think uh, there was that uh, collection of Satoshi's writings, right? That's in the book of Satoshi. And uh, looking at, you know, from a couple different perspectives on, you know, firsthand what Satoshi was, was putting on there from some of the op returns highlighting uh, what was ha- happening in the thing. You know, you start to study all these uh, esoteric, but uh, I find the more interesting uh, pieces of the future and, uh, you know, understand that we have, uh, uh, you know, a month uh you know that's really giving people access to the the largest levers of of power and control ever in human existence and uh studying bitcoin as far as like how how to use it and and how the the tools uh, kind of fit uh all together and kind of learning the best practices and and i think it's a deep thing that becomes simple with time but uh yeah for the last 5 years after kind of learning that uh, about you know how Bitcoin has the potential to you know emerge as a form of money that uh, ends what I see as monetary enslavement. You know that that was probably the most I thought meaningful thing to study and, and give my attention to. So yeah, when we had met, you know I was I was excited to start a, a BitDev series because out in the when I was living in SF, there's this um, a BitDev San Francisco. So I was going to that and just accelerating, you know how. I could understand and get some of the concepts around Bitcoin being there with those people. Some of the people writing the white papers that I was studying, you know, a lot of the lightning labs team is out there. So I saw lightning right when it was kind of coming to production, you know, it's been about four years now. So just studying things like uh, with amongst the people, you know, the builders, I think uh, really is, you know, helps anybody get, get uh, 
and under, understand a lot of the complicated things around Bitcoin quicker. So I think that's what BitDevs really offers. I try to uh, find the people studying it or giving more of their time or building with these technologies and bring them together once a month to, you know, go a little bit deeper into topics than you would get from, you know, your Bitcoin meetup or, or casual like Twitter spaces conversation, you know, just For someone, have a, Ross, uh, like- the ability to look together. <laughs> yeah. Can you give us like an elevator pitch for someone who's never heard of bit devs? What is it? Because I imagine a lot of people who might hear this episode probably in the future are never going to have heard of that. So can you give like the little, you know, the one, two, <laughs> which is, I know probably a tough yeah, thing absolutely. to ask. So Bitcoin developers. <laughs> <laughs> well, the idea is to, to, you know, there's a bunch of different uh, levels you could call them layers. So you could you'd be building uh, development on the protocol layer, actually like the, the low level, how Bitcoin works, or you know some one of these off-chain scaling layers, so like Lightning Network or something. Or you could be you know trying to build something that plugs in, like on the application layer. Or I like to think of it as the social layer. You know, you can really develop community and develop relationships and, and connections and teaching people, you know, about Bitcoin. So there's all this. Uh, development happening at all these layers and uh, we grab a couple topics that are relevant and uh, meet as a group and uh, typically it's the Socratic uh, format so we, we call it a Socratic seminar we try to keep it very circular and uh, uh, let uh, either you know not devolve into more of a presentation format but uh, kind of a discussion that's interactive and uh, right now the you know in Miami we have a we have a good core group, um, but uh, we have a small room, and we can kind of all, uh, you know, participate without without the group kind of getting out getting too big, you know. But uh, when there's like a, the conference comes to town, so we did you know in Miami Beach in April, there was a huge event, and it's you know kind of unwieldy to truly be a you know a Socratic seminar from, true to the format. But uh, you know, keeping it going once a month, there's a lot of people coming in and out of Miami, so. Um, it's a very transient town in that sense, but having the regular signal, you know, definitely inspired by you throwing the flag out there with a, a weekly, uh, Bitcoin brunch to, uh, and keeping the door open. Um, you know, Miami bit does is trying to do the same idea with, uh, anybody's welcome to come. Of course, it's a Bitcoin focused discussion, but, uh, you know, the topics are also open. So there's like, a uh, a feed that you can just drop a topic suggestion in and, you know, come prepared to talk about it. And, you know, we can have like a discussion about, uh, what, uh, is pressing and interesting to, you know, the people in Miami that are doing stuff with Bitcoin. So that's the goal. The full disclosure, I don't understand most of what's said at BitDevs, but I follow along. I learn all kinds of interesting things and that's where I get to hear about like the most cutting edge projects and proposals in Bitcoin, because personally, I don't necessarily have the time to constantly be checking into that side of things. I, I, I keep busy during the week. So I'm glad that you do that, Roz. Now, um, you know, I imagine a part of the reason why you do this and comes from your passion for Bitcoin, comes from your passion for creating and advocating for a better money like money has become such an important part of our society and certainly our economy over the last several millennia so what what is it about bitcoin why is solving the money problem so important 
Well, you know, I think the fiat standard and just the residual effects of being on on a fiat uh, system have affected, I think, a lot of areas that uh, you see the decay. I think uh, over time, you know, if you're you're removed from the underlying work uh, providing, you know, so I think Bitcoin's the the real uh, magic for me is the combination of proof of work with the difficulty adjustment. You know, no matter how many people are sending hash, we can we can kind of update and, and incentivize people uh, to secure the network in a very elegant way um, that uh, also, you know, gives a, a sound uh, uh, monetary unit that's uh, now with these off-chain scaling technologies, uh, the potential for the network, is, I think, is pretty underrated. So I think a lot of kind of what we think about with Bitcoin and certainly the number go up focus on the price is uh, attention for for Bitcoin, the asset. But, uh, you know, I don't want to shift gears too hard, but, uh, you know, we are doing something that you can stream sats, you can boost in your messages. You know, we're using the network uh, and the more applications that are emergent. You know, my interest especially is in the things that uh, don't necessarily have you know, somebody have to jump into the deep end uh, of the rabbit hole and want all this Bitcoin exposure without really understanding why Bitcoin exists or how it could help them. But, uh, you know, being able to move value on a censorship resistant rail with really, you know, low fee, a super, super low cost uh, to doing that. I think that's uh, the more things that you can like put in people's hands and, and give them the experience of, of using these. I think that's really cool. So, you know, we get together, we can at least once a month and there's other other events, obviously, with brunch and, and the Bitcoin meetup in Miami. And they have a regular thing uh, to show off some of the stuff that's enhancing, uh, you know, these these experiences around Bitcoin and, and using the network to to move value. Uh, so it's it's exciting stuff. And, yeah, my my angle is uh, is to accelerate my my, my learning and, and learn faster, you know, by surrounding myself with the other people that are doing you know something very similar to that. All right, so that seems like a good point to transition towards the Bitcoin Grove. And maybe can you talk about what does that idea mean? Where did the idea come from? What inspired you to have the Bitcoin Grove idea? So Bitcoin Grove, of course, uh, is uh, at this point a um, bunch of uh, regular occurrences, typically under the shade of uh, some sort of tropical foliage, you know, some trees where we create commerce, uh, you know, the circular economy on a Bitcoin standard within the city of Miami. So it's it's Miami's, uh, the, the beach was taken. So Bitcoin Beach was <laughs> an inspiration, of course, uh, down in uh, El Salvador, the El Zonte uh, project where they've established uh, a bunch of people selling products, goods and services in, in Bitcoin, and then people working and getting paid in Bitcoin on both sides and uh, keeping the sats flowing. So in, in, you know, my journey, I think there's a, a point where, you know, maybe you go all in on Bitcoin or you, you know, you get on zero fiat or whatever the uh, <laughs> uh, goal may be. And you find yourself in a situation where, you know, you've got to, you've, you know, you've got to pay your bills. And so um, you got to spend some of maybe your, what you were intending to hold for forever it's time to you know buckle up and and spend your Bitcoin, and it really is uh, 
you know, a lot more rewarding to see it get accepted and somebody, you know, find real demand where you can spend Bitcoin for services. Uh, so, I've, you know, I, I haven't myself had the luxury to get down there and experience what, what the Bitcoin Beach uh, circular economy uh, is really like. But I've had, you know, some scratch behind the, the curtain, if you will, and seen some of the, the future of these types of experiences. So I just want to see more of them here and where I live. So that was like the impetus for for at least uh, Bitcoin Grove, you know, as a uh, concept. But, uh, you know, this uh, open call uh, through some of our, our BitDev seminars, we've actually found some people who are, are down to contribute to putting together, um, you know, a stable sats uh, implementation. So similar to the Bitcoin Beach wallet where you can you can get uh exposure to to your perceived civility so that's that's something i want to uh announce i think is uh that we should start spelling stable coins with a p in front to the you know silent p so like <laughs> so per- perceived the p is silent perceived, perceived stability because yeah of course these stable coins are uh, are pegged to fiat which is designed to lose purchasing power over time so we know they're they're not stable so it's kind of a misnomer, I think, to be calling all these things. But there is a lot of demand for perceived stable coins. Um, and uh, it's, uh, you know, a way you can touch, start touching some of the, the uh, circular economy uh, type things. I think if people know that they don't have to keep all their exposure in, in, uh, in Bitcoin, so they don't have to go, I guess, and, and uh, they can kind of keep things flowing, pay the bills that are needing to be paid and, their local currency and, uh, you know, still accept Bitcoin and start seeing it. So I think uh, there's a lot of work to be done as far as uh, the experiences. You know, there's those tap integrations, something to uh, kind of get excited about where you're, you know, getting the experience of tapping a NFC uh, <laughs> card um, that just moves lightning, you know, moves sats over lightning. All right. So let me try to, let me try to like, Put it in other words, though, because in case there are people who didn't quite catch what you meant. So you're saying that you're like the idea right now is to create a system where in Miami you can pay people with Bitcoin. But rather than accepting Bitcoin per se, they're going to accept a dollar denomination that's backed by Bitcoin. So with the stable sets, yeah, you could you could move the Bitcoin into stable sets as soon as it comes in. So you're not like forced to, you know, sell it, pay a fee or, um, you know, like Bitcoin from accept, accepting it. So from like a point of sale or a retail perspective, um, this could be a wallet that, you know, normal uh, in, in-person retail type experiences could uh, start using and have some exposure to or at least allow people to pay with Bitcoin um, and they can choose how much they want to keep in their, you know, lightning wallet or move it out. With the, it's kind of like looping out to a Bitcoin, but um, this is using like a, kind of a, an exchange where you can take out, I guess it's Tether or one of the stable coins. Yeah. I mean, I love the idea of trying to get people's feet wet in a way that doesn't force them to like commit to something that they're still unsure about, but that allows them to try something that they're unsure about. I did that with the lightning market during the last Bitcoin conference, the Bitcoin magazine conference, and I'm going to 
do that again for the next one where I'm going to have a bunch of local vendors or maybe non-local, but I'm going to have a bunch of like artisanal vendors who are going to come to Bitcoin brunch and they're all going to be ready to accept Bitcoin. But it would be really cool if they could also accept accept the stable sats because, um, you know, that just gives them a certain level of comfort that they that they didn't have otherwise. And it, it's not to say that I necessarily sympathize with people who want dollars over Bitcoin, but um, but I, regardless of sympathy, I definitely want to work with and and work towards getting those people to adopt Bitcoin. Yeah, man. Perceived stability is so hard. Right <laughs> I like that. I do like that phrase, and I, I think I'm going to try to adopt that phrase because I, I certainly don't like to use the phrase stable coins and there's like a whole rant that I could go on that I'm not going to do right now about why that's just an absurdity. I mean, um, and I do want to remind people the word fiat, it means like a command. It's Latin. And so when we say something like fiat currency or when we use that word, we're just talking about the government commanding us, like commanding us to use its money, commanding us to pay its taxes, commanding us to follow its rules. And there's sometimes where those things are just very grievous. Um, so how do you see or how do you want this project to evolve in Miami? So I think the, the next stage is having like a you know, lead maintainer, some contributors and, and some people that are at least a couple times per week thinking about or, or trying to push forward. Um, through, you know, some, you know, keep commitment to open source. So anything we do, we release uh, with a, a license that allows, you know, people to build on top of it and extend it. Since really I just forked the the Galois repo to start uh, kind of understanding how, how their stuff works and how they set up their wallet. Um, and uh, I think uh, there's uh, different, you know, properties for every region, you know, maybe some features that are, are more critical or, or things that just have a different aesthetic or look. Uh, so I think there's, you know, one of the beautiful things about building on, on top of the shoulders of giants with open source is that you can extend and find uh, different ways to do maybe similar things or, or brand new things that were never done before. So with our thing, you know, we'll try to have a little Miami flavor and the, and the people that are, are a part of uh, contributing to, to have, you know, have a vested interest, I guess, in seeing the adoption firsthand so they can, you know, participate in that, you know, the vision for that circular economy becoming reality. I think, uh, um, yeah, there's uh, I, a couple of different ways to, I think build services that plug into kind of, uh, you know, there's a couple companies that are already here. I know Ibex has an office here that's doing a, they're doing a point of sale for lightning. There's the Oshi guy, I think, uh, that had onboarded a, a bunch of, uh, restaurants and, and stores that accept lightning for payment. So they're already using Bitcoin, but, uh, you know, so these, you know, finding the, the companies or the people building services that help make it possible. And uh, hopefully there's some alignment and, and you know, you, you can either create things like what you're doing, the market or, or different uh, experiences. So I guess, you know, this that would be the, the perfect kind of um, 
alignment with a, a vortex. So there, there could be a disturbance out there that we should be following to see if, uh, you know, any, any further development for a, a Bitcoin vortex <laughs> coming through in February. Yeah, that's, um, I think that could be exciting if we could get some, you know, the, the, the more ideas and projects we can get to coalesce for the Bitcoin vortex, the better. Yeah. Yeah. I have some good ideas for that. I think, uh, I think it needs a, uh, a chess tournament. There's a lot of really good chess players in the, in the Bitcoin ecosystem that, that could, would play for a decent prize and maybe even a, a poker poker is also uh, a good one. So like if we had these in between some of the meetups or like uh, before or after some of the meetups, that could, could be a, a good enough reason for somebody to, you know, make an extended stay or, uh, you know, kind of give into the already existing gravity pulling everyone to Miami in that you know time of year when it's cold everywhere else. Yeah, I, I think that's a great idea. I love it. Um, the idea of just, you know, having a few extra special little things that are um, more playful, more fun, more competitive uh, to explore the other aspects of, mm-hmm. of human society. Yeah, that's fantastic. So I look I look forward to working, working on that with you. Um, that would be great. So, um, Raza, is there, you know, do you want to do any shout outs before we end the call? Do you want to say like hi to anyone? Do you want to talk about like any web, any websites, favorite websites or anything like that? Uh, last, uh, need for the vortex. I think the final event, if you do a chess tournament, a poker tournament, and then a finale of karaoke after bit devs, maybe Monday night, I think uh, a structured karaoke, you'd get a lot of the immense talent that uh, people in the Bitcoin development, just Bitcoin space in general, uh, you know, are secretly hiding holdouts. So that could be interesting. And uh, the, so that, Bra- the Broward Bitcoin meetup that they, I'm going to try to get them to do it on the Saturday. Um, they they hold it at a restaurant. It's all the way in Davie, so it's far as hell. But, you know, we could like do a carpool or something. They actually do karaoke right after like they do it at a restaurant that has karaoke right after nice. their meetup so they've been practicing is what you're <laughs> yeah i mean i have so no we problem have like with... a battle of the <laughs> yeah they're ready <laughs> they're ready and uh you know so i don't know <laughs> so the world get ready for the the bitcoin vortex february 4th through 6th i hope you're ready uh Roz, thanks so much for coming on saturday night lit and i'm have no doubt we'll have you on again sometime in the near future Hey, looking forward to it. This is a lot of fun. And cheers. You guys have a excellent uh, rest of your evening, but uh, I'll be listening. So peace. Wunderbar.
I'm so happy to be able to get more of my local Bitcoin community on Saturday Night Lit. Um, you know, it's not going to be all the time. I mean, you know, I like to pull from all sectors of the Bitcoin family, but I uh, have a special place for the people who are building and working on the local community. Yeah, it seems like an interesting idea. Um, love to see how it actually works out, you know, but... Well, there's a lot of really smart people, that's for sure. And, you know, one of the things that Roz is working on and one of the things that I'm trying to work on is to get us to get our our efforts to co- to co- co- coincide more. You know, like we're all doing our things and let's do some of these things together. And then I think inevitably that will lead to some really great stuff. I was referring specifically to stable stats. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, um, I'm, I get to, to glimpse little bits of like what he was talking about of like people, you know, finding those people, um, you know, going to the bit devs meeting and meeting the people who are showing up and hearing some of those conversations, not all of them, but some of them, it's cool. It's fun. It's, it's wonderful to be a part of the future history of Miami's Bitcoin adventure. Um, so you know, I I had written this note down because of some of the st- <laughs> some of the stuff that we've talked about, and by we I mean me bringing it up, and uh, I, I write here awkwardly reacting to woke. Why even bother? Um, so you know, last week I had mentioned Hellraiser, and I was kind of like wondering about the like the, the demographics of the cast. And then I don't, and then uh, I don't remember what it was even before that. And then there's the whole, like the operating system transition discussion. Well, real quick, before you go into that, um, I was actually going to mention this and I forgot that we had gotten some feedback on that last episode (laughs) and this person, um, as soon as they heard woke, they just like hung up, they not hung up, they just stopped listening. And I just think that's hilarious that like, like these trigger words, like like as soon as you hear the word, you just shut down. Like out of I'm running away right now. So they stopped listening because we were gonna make fun of woke, or because they thought we were woke. Well, obviously they don't know. <laughs> they heard the. I'm guessing they heard the wo- the word woke. And I mean this uh, this person is a friend of my friends. I don't know the person, <laughs> but they're pretty liberal. So I'm guessing it's. Oh yeah, the, so they didn't want to get offended. Well, that's you know that it's it's like just fine. But it's like what Mars says, like uh, who comes to Bitcoin brunch. He's like it's a restaurant that puts the gay pride flag right on their window, and. You know, if someone doesn't like gay people, then don't go in the restaurant. And that's perfectly within everyone's rights, right? Like they, someone runs that restaurant, they own that restaurant. And so, you know, if someone doesn't want to listen to us because they don't want to be offended, then that's well within their rights. And Oh yeah. That part I don't care about. It's just, it, to me, it's more so though. <laughs> it's funny. It's not only the evolution of the word woke, but how it just like, like is, do you have any trigger words? Something that just like you <laughs> shut down and you're just like, I can't, I can't. Not me personally, but I certainly get, pretty out of hand with certain topics um crypto (laughs) no it's um no not crypto specifically i can talk about crypto without freaking out it's just i can't talk about like i I can't have the same discussion about the same crypto a thousand times and not freak out which is what can happen like things can get pretty repetitive um so so, just as a general psa 
please, if someone says woke, keep listening. <laughs> or not. I don't know. Whatever. But th- actually, I, th- I thought you were going to bring up something else that was mentioned in our Telegram chat. So in re- regards to the uh, um, the operating system transition, they, oh. they called us transphobic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that was Jay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Just throw him out there. Uh, I don't know how serious he was with that comment. I don't know. Like, Knowing Jay is probably pretty serious. And so then my question becomes, are we transphobic? I mean, if he wants to interpret as transphobic, that's I guess not that's what, fine. I, I didn't, I didn't ask that. I asked, are we transphobic? Oh, <laughs> me personally? No, I don't know about you. I don't think you are. Yeah. I don't think I'm transphobic either, but, um, so it's more of like, does, does having discussions that, that make light of, of like pop cultural phenomena, is that insensitive? And by being insensitive, is that, is that violence? <laughs> insensitive, yeah, probably to some people who are really offended by the, the, the subject or, you know, or talking any particular way about the subject. Oh gosh, so I was watching. But it's definitely not violence. I was watching this video, you know, some Twitter crap, like, I don't even know the context, but it was some lady at some university auditorium on a stage and she was making, having a discussion about men male and female or men and women i don't remember what her language was specifically but she was talking about like biology and and like your your bio, biological birthed sex and she was saying that men are taller than women probably on average okay yes but <laughs> so for some reason at this point in in the talk i mean this is the only part of the talk that was featured in the video, but a bunch of people like stand up and, and start walking out. But not only that, but then start like screaming at the stage and like getting hysterical and calling attention. And as someone who has actually participated in disruptive protests in the past, I mean, I have some sympathy for the method, uh, the method, but I don't know that like I understood, you know, like may, again, maybe it was, it was taken out of context, but like in the video, it makes it seem trivial. You know, it makes it seem like they're they're making a big deal about it just for the fact that like they can't let someone say that that people who are born biologically male are on average when they grow to adulthood taller than people who are born biologically female. Like just that statement in and of itself. This is what they're trying to say. Right. Is like is this big problem? I think it probably comes from knowing the different arguments out there and then as 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 soon as you start seeing like the beginning of that argument okay if you can agree with this or you can if you think this is right then you know that person may go on to something else to prove their point you know you may not be doing that but uh, some people have learned to say no 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 before you even start saying that i'm going to shut you down because i know where you're going with that or they think they know where you're going yeah. with that i get shut down all the time <laughs> Oh, which is fine with me. There's a lot of conversations I just don't want to have with people anyway. It's like, oh, yeah, you don't want to hear me? That's fine. I can I can just talk about something else. That's okay with me. Some people can't talk about other things. Does Saturday Night Lit have a culture? I mean, we were only, is this our, what episode is this? Uh, five. Five. Oh, wow. We're like way deeper than I thought. Um, Minus the before lit stuff. So, yeah. Um, like, and this is a strange way to put this. Are we liberal or, or conservative? Um, <laughs> I would say I'm definitely more left. 
And I don't know if I've become more conservative in my older age or it's just the left has just gone lefter or whatever the, the case is. The left has gone lefter. I don't know about that. Everything has gone lefter. Um, but I still have a lot of the same beliefs I had 10, 15 years ago. Like a lot hasn't changed. So I don't know. Yeah, the culture changes around us, right? And then, so how much How much of it is us changing and how much of it is the culture? Uh, I definitely don't like those words to describe myself. And I hate the fact that I use them so often to describe other people because I don't really think, it, it was funny. I was having this discussion earlier. We were playing this game, Secret Hitler. And I w- in the game, there are two teams. There are the fascists and there are, the, what were the other team? The liberals. <laughs> and then, so I said, at one point I said, so, you know, when do we get to have the discussion about fascism being a liberal movement? Because, you know, I mean, in, in modern usage, we call it a, a conservative movement and we associate it with, cons- I mean, at least the liberals do, right? They, we, they associate it with conservatism, but it was a socialist movement. Right. Fascism in Italy had to do with like trade unions and and then even i mean even if you want to call the nazis socialist which i don't personally i think that's a slightly different ideology they're also socialists right but in in in, at least with the with the italian fascism they were i guess socially more conservative but in, in 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 other terms you know um more socialist. They were socially more conservative than whom? Than us. Yeah. It, but, well, but that's the problem, right? So, so the point I was making earlier today was that we are constantly comparing these movements to our standards today. Today, yeah. We're not comparing them to their standards back then. Right. Like, it's, it's, like the fascist movement, if it was conservative, it would have existed before Mussolini. No, it came up in that time because it was a liberal, new, progressive movement. At the time, it was the cutting edge of liberal politics right it's it's uh, criticizing someone for blackface a hundred years ago mm-hmm. when it's like, okay but look at the culture around it at the time <laughs> yeah like i mean it's a little bit different to criticize someone in the 90s like some of these you know these um actors who were really big in the 90s and they're not so big today but they're still really famous and we're like oh wait a minute you did all this like crazy crap in the 90s that you know you knew you could get away with because in your circles it was accepted but it really isn't it wasn't acceptable like I, th- I think of it was like Ted. Who's the guy who was married to Whoopi Goldberg? So it was maybe it was Ted Danson. But so this guy, you know, he did like blackface thing, and he was married to Whoopi Goldberg. And there's I don't know, I want to even get into the whole like politics of Whoopi Goldberg and her being a stupid, you know, wacky liberal. But um, yeah, he, you know, that that's just the first example that comes to my mind. Okay, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about that anymore. But so you were going to something else, and I completely third railed you <laughs> did you yeah nah okay no, cool. no. um but you know kind of on the same like in the, the vein of politics though there's been the recent story um maybe we talked about it a lot recently but I'm, i guess i'm bringing it up again is i'm calling it the weaponization of immigrants and so the the question is was the was the immigrant busting so like the you know the the governor from Texas and the governor from Florida was them shipping these immigrants illegal or whatever you want to call them, um, shipping them to these liberal States. Was that the first shot in a, in like some sort of, you know, 
kind of war between these states and using the immigrants themselves as weapons. So for so long, you know, states like Florida and Texas have had to deal with the repercussions of massive immigration, of, of handling the people, of, you know, sending them places and giving them services or whatever. And then these other states haven't necessarily had to do that, even though they're states that politically Promote it. Yeah, like they push, you know, like giving these benefits and services and all that stuff. So it's, so, you know, um, and then I have like this theory, like the pendulum theory of, of society where like the, you know, the force of power kind of swings back and forth between not necessarily like left and right, but kind of like the Hegelian dialectics. It's just between like whatever's in power and then whatever's like coming up next, whatever has the most momentum. And so, like, how will the liberals use the immigrants as a weapon next? Um, so that, you know, the, the Republicans tend to argue that the liberals and the, the Democrats, they bring the, the illegal immigrants in and they find some way to allow them to vote so that when it comes time for election, you get all these people who aren't citizens somehow voting in federal elections. Now, I've never seen any evidence of this being true but this is like the argument that they make so if it's not true is this what's going to happen anyways then next <laughs> like i don't know how how will the, the liberals use immigrants as a weapon that's well, just if you think, think we'll you know you should, you should boost <laughs> us and tell us i uh, i do want to give a um a personal anecdote uh somebody who you know my family is from guatemala and somebody who came over here illegally, um, crossing the border, she didn't come of, okay, so she was not being persecuted uh, in any way. She literally just was kind of bored of being there. Someone like early 20s. Yeah. And, you know, I, I guess she she wanted to make money, but it's not like she was in poverty and dying where she was. But she right? just knew she would have better opportunities. So she took, she has two kids. She took one of them with her just to get across without any issues. And they literally just let her walk through. Uh -huh. No problem. Cause she's seeking asylum and she has a kid. <laughs> and then her sister is here in Miami, in Miami beach actually. And then she ended up there, blah, blah, long story short. Um, because my, my mom knows her cousin or sister somewhere. So they ended up at my parents' house for, 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 for some time. And it's, it's, it's hilarious because then the kid was, the kid was basically spoiled and didn't want to be here. He was like, I want to go back home. I want to be with my sister and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And so the plan was to send him back. <laughs> oh God. To sit, like literally. And they set up this whole thing with like the consulate of Guatemala and trying to send him back and blah, blah, blah. Until she had her, um, her interview for asylum there. And they were like, um, he's the reason you're here. You're claiming asylum. If you get rid of him, then, it's yeah, obvious how, that you're, it's bullshit. Uh-huh. Oh, gosh. <sighs> and it's just like, obviously not every case is like that, but obviously not every case is one where someone's, you know, escaping persecution. A lot of people just want to try to find work. Yeah. I mean, most people are not escaping persecution. Most people are just poor. They're just unlucky. Um, yeah. I don't know, because most people aren't very political. So... You know, like the people who are being persecuted per se are political people in most part, like in Latin America. It's people who are members of active members of parties, like opposition parties. And not to say that the, that's justified in any way, but yeah, I mean, 
it's yeah you know yeah for for the most part it's economical it's people who are not in the city but more in the in, in the countryside and and a lot of them can't even speak spanish so they speak um the other in, um indigenous indigenous uh languages of the area which i don't even know how many there are but oh that's fascinating and it's it's funny how like the spanish of the capital kind of look down on them in a um, liberal sort of way uh-huh. Like like they want to help them and this and that. Like I've heard my oh, mom. We need to civilize them. I've heard my mom make comments like that, and it's it's funny how like she identifies as um um I think it's not mestizo or, or some some word I didn't really understand. Uh, Ladino. I Ladino. Think, I think it was Ladino. I'm like I never heard this term, and I looked it up, and it's basically like, if I understand correctly, it's um someone who is closer to their European roots in a way. So uh-huh. it's like this, it's really interesting. I don't know. Some sort of colonial elitist right. identity that separates them from their, like from being indigenous or from being one of the locals. Yet if you look at her, she's obviously, you know, um, she's obviously Guatemalan. She's short, you know, she's from the countryside. <laughs> it's just hilarious. It is. It's And it's weird, the kind of like stories and like cultural norms that people ad- adopt to be able to justify like holding their worldviews. Yeah, she's learned and, you know, and, and she's she got to where she was. So she feels like she's up here. Mm. Not in a bad way, but like she's proud of being. Yeah, because she knows the right way to live and, and she's living the right way. I mean, this is always the conflict of of like the, the new generations and the old generations or people who are trying to, I mean, you don't, you don't think so? Like, Oh no, I was, I oh. was, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, well, whatever, she's a nice lady. So that's what's yeah. important. <laughs> I, I deal with that with my mother all the time too. And just with, I mean, especially when it comes to Bitcoin, even though this is like bringing it out of left field, but when you talk to older people, the boomers, they, you know, they've got all of these beliefs that are so attached to, um, you know, maintaining their lifestyle to maintaining their standard of living. And it's really hard for them to start considering other points of view that call into question some of the fundamental presumptions they made about how the world works. And I can understand that that's tough. And I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't demand that people change, you know, like, again, as long as you're like living your life in, in a way that's uh, not harmful to others and is, you know, like good for you and makes you happy, then that's great. Like whether it comes, whether this was about like religion or culture or etiquette or investing in retirement, you know, you got to do you. It's better if you keep an open mind and you just kind of, you know, like listen to what's going on. And because I don't know. There's, I think about this sometimes about like, as I'm getting older and I look at the younger generation, I'm 35. So I I look at people who are 18 and younger. I used to be a substitute teacher. So I used to be in like not that long ago in the school systems and getting that feeling of being, you know, of an older generation and watching like this new culture that I had no interest in being a part of. Like, I don't want to touch it with a 10 foot pole. And I don't hate them for, and I don't, 
I definitely judge them for it, but <laughs> but it's uh, it's hard not to. Yeah, of course, <laughs> because there's you know, obviously there's some kind of a beauty in it, but you have to have been acclimated to it to like really see it to really understand it. Right. Um, I, I can kind of sometimes see like the doom scrolling, right? So I do that, especially with Twitter, but I see people do it with things like Instagram and TikTok, and they're just like scrolling through these short videos and just like my coworkers on every single break, just like scrolling through these short videos. It's like, they've been acclimated to this, you know, that didn't always exist. Like, I don't know how long ago it was. It wasn't that long ago that they came out with those, you know, those status updates that were videos or, you know, just like some, an image that would just last for a few the seconds. Snapchat. It started, I think it started with Snapchat. Yeah, that was probably, or yeah, why not? Maybe it was something else first. But it's just a quick hit. That's what it is. It's a quick hit. Everyone it has is. a phone. Everyone has access to it. It's that It's that quick jolt of, of the chemicals, the brain chemicals that, uh, that drive you to and it makes certain ways. And it makes raising kids easier for some people because it's just like, leave me oh, alone here. Gosh. Take this tablet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, oh gosh. Like I've seen that for years. Like once, once the tablet came out, you know, in the, over. Like, was it 2011 or 12 or something like that? The iPad, that really changed things. It must have been earlier than that. But because I remember seeing toddlers playing games on iPads at Aventura Mall. And that was just bizarre. Yeah, I was um, at a, what's it, what are they called? Summer camp or last year or this year. I don't the years ago. by. <laughs> <laughs> And it's crazy, like these little kids will have their, you know, they're, they're like eight years old and they have their, their their iPads and then like you take it away from them and they fucking freak oh, out. Oh yeah, they, freak they go out. through immediate withdrawal symptoms. What were you doing at a summer camp? I was running it in the class. Oh, you were running it? What kind of class was it? It was, it was like, um, it's called, it was called, what is it called? <laughs> I've already like blocked it out of my mind. <laughs> it's like compartmentalized it, it and filed it away in the archives. Mad science of Miami. It was just like they're trying to like have like science activities. That's basically it. It was a daycare, but with with, with science activities. So your the parents feel like okay, my kid's learning something. Yay! Pay my money. You know, but it was down in Pinecrest. Pine um, oh man, so far away and a, a rich area. So a lot of these brats oh, were man. spoiled as shit. Gosh. You know I. When I was in the school system, I would like do these uh, professional development courses that to, I don't remember the purpose exactly of why I was doing them, but I could, they were like free since I was in the system and they would have a bunch of them at Grenolds Park on Saturday mornings. It was this program. I don't remember what it was called. I've got all these books and all this literature that I haven't thrown away yet. And I don't want to, because it's all about teaching kids science through outdoor activities like nature, biology, ecology. Um, that was really, it was really fun. I'd love to, and I thought about doing that, like starting some sort of a camp or something for a small group of kids to just, cause I had dozens and dozens of activities. It is really rewarding when like, when kids are actually into it and you know, it's, 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 it's tough obviously, but it is really rewarding. I don't want to deal with brats. But there's bro. so many brats who just I don't, don't fucking care. I don't, Cause I'll just, I'll just call their parent and be like, yeah, your kid is not allowed to come back here. You could take your money back and just go to hell. <laughs> oh man. Did I have to tell you the story about when the kid like cursed me out? 
I don't remember what I did to piss him off. And I'm pretty sure uh, I was like a PE substitute that day. And we were like outside or something. And this kid just like flipped out on me. And he started saying every curse word he could think of, like every single one, screaming them super loud at me. And, uh, and yeah, I just called security and sent him away. And that was the end of my, you know, that was the end of that. Like, what, you know, what are you you supposed to do? Like some little kid freaks out and curses you out. It happens. (laughs) It happens in the public school system, at least. Um, (laughs) I'm feeling older by a second. Let's change subject. Is there anything you, in particular you want to talk about? I don't remember. Oh, um, so I've started to organize my life yesterday. I decided like, you know, there's so much stuff I want to do. And there's, uh-huh. I get stuff done, but I'm, I'm inefficient with my time, obviously. So like I end up, once I actually sit down and have free time and I'm just like, oh fuck, what do I do? And then I start doing something. I start to do something else. And before you know it, I'm like, oh, it's time to go to bed. So I wrote down basically all the things I want to do on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis. And I'm trying to prioritize them in an actual schedule. So like, okay, so I decided, you know, every day I'm going to at least practice guitar for an hour and either practice my Japanese or program for, or practice programming for, for an hour. And then I have other stuff that I'll do on Mondays, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, I'll have a workout on Tuesdays. I'll do this on, on, on Thursdays. I'll do that. It's going to be an interesting experiment so far because you know, it's, it's, this is just a framework. I'm probably not going to follow it perfectly, but at least I have something to work towards. And yeah. Yeah. You told me you want to go to bed at 10 PM. Well, I'm going to have to start waking up at five 30 in the morning. So for work. Right. So, so what does that mean? Cause you, you did give me some, some, like some sad news when you, when you got here and it kind of, well, we uh, may, ha- I mean, we're still going to do the show, but I may have to do it from home rather than coming here. So it means that I don't get to like stare at your face. Yep. And, and reach out. And it's such a time saver. I- <laughs> yeah. He didn't have to drive over here. So it will save you at least like half an hour. Um, which, you know, on the drive back, like 10 PM after a show, I can understand you just wanting to, to just be home and not have to go home. So that's understandable. And, uh, that will be interesting to see how that works. Um, so like, are we going to have a guest next week or we're just going to like not have a guest and see how it works being? Well, I'm still in the process of flipping my schedule because I'm waking up now around eight o'clock. So 8 a.m. 8 a.m. Yeah. Oh, wow. You got a long way to go. Yeah. <laughs> like, Starts Monday. <laughs> I, I wake up. at well, it depends, right? Like I'm, I wake up probably around 840. I mean, 545. My alarm goes off at 612. And I know it's possible. I mean, I used to work overnight. So, you know, I know I could sleep any schedule. It's just a matter of prepping your body and your brain to do it. So we'll see what next week says. So have you ever noticed in movies and TV shows that like the apartments and the houses are so big? Never considered it, no. So this is something that I, I experienced a lot when I was growing up because like, I always lived in relatively small apartments, which, you know, given the situation today, I actually live in a relatively large apartment given how, how expensive real estate is these days. But I remember watching all these TV shows and just being looking at and like, wow, like these houses are so big. They got so many rooms in them. Like, oh man, they can fit so many things in their bedroom and this living room and, 
Oh, they got to, I just, I remember they, okay. They would have a seating area sometimes in the kitchen and then another seating area, like in another dining room, you know, just all, and not rich people, you know, like working class people. Um, you remember that show Friends? Exactly what I was thinking about. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they had a seating there, the seating there, two huge rooms, uh, patio. I, it's just fascinating. Um, well, I, I imagine like the camera systems, like they wouldn't be able to fit all those cameras in a regular apartment. Of course, it needed a penthouse. But it's one <laughs> of those things that I've that I've thought about when it when it came to like analyzing entertainment, video entertainment. The fact that they, you know, again, like suspending the disbelief, like, so not only do I have to suspend my disbelief about all these other things, like these characters never need to use the bathroom (laughs) for the most part, right? Like, that's not an interesting plot point. So we don't, we don't, okay, excuse me, I'm going to use the, like, that's, that rarely happens unless it's for a plot point. So, you know, we have to have all these big spaces so that we can film interesting shots and we can get good views and good angles. And that's it. So it's something that we're kind of sacrificing or manipulating like, like a homunculi, right? Like we're, we're creating this universe where people just all the housing is just gigantic and everyone's got all the space that they need. They can fit everything. Yeah. Even like I'm thinking above, I love Lucy. It was huge, you know, even though (laughs) they weren't. (laughs) Well, he was a successful, like, performer Band leader, right? yeah so one would you know i don't know so if you've ever noticed that or if you have any thoughts about that then you should definitely send us a boost and let us know because i, I want to know what you think if, if you think that the movies made the houses big or if they made them you know if it seemed realistic to you like did you have a warped view of what houses should be like because of movies do they think they are? I mean it. I mean Boost. it. I mean it. Uh, go, Brandon. Um, yeah, that's our, that's our president uh, of the United States of America. What was he talking about? Was it that the whole January 6th thing? I think he was no, like condemning. No, 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 no. Oh. This had to do with, okay, the context was he was talking to a mostly black audience about the student loan like the one-time student loan forgiveness that he's implementing and he was arguing about republicans uh basically saying that you know that you know it's bad and it's government handouts and blah 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 but that then he started naming all these republicans who took ppp loans (laughs) like hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars of ppp loans and he's like you know, so in that context, like it, it made sense. Like, who the hell do you think you are? Like, you f- fucking hypocrites. Like, you guys are a bunch of assholes. Like, you're literally willing to take hundreds of thousands of dollars for your business, but to give a loan to, you know, like the working class. I'm not necessarily saying it's good economics, but it, it, you know, it's it is hypocritical. Yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, it's so funny the things that certain parties are willing to spend money on. Yeah, even if you're even. 
if you were even able to take advantage of those damn loans. I remember oh. some some local businesses were like it was literally impossible to like to even yeah. take advantage of that. Yeah, there was a lot of people who took advantage uh, yeah. of the situation, you know. <laughs> um and you know, this is something that I criticize about a lot of like just politics in general, like all the politicians were giving out all kinds, especially the governors were, and the, the mayors of counties were giving out all kinds of emergency money that was given to them by the federal government. And, you know, again, like they, they want to criticize Biden for giving out, you know, 10 or $20,000 to, to students, but they had no problem when their politicians were handing out millions and millions of dollars that mostly didn't go like there were companies who like, so someone formed a company, the company bought a bunch of masks and then resold the masks to the public sector. And then this was the, this like, what, what kind like, that's so dumb, you know, like why, like why doesn't the government just buy the masks from the manufacturer then? Like, why are you literally allowing people to start companies just to middle you out? This is exactly the, the kind of bullshit corrupt, government, like public private partnership corruption that Republicans rail against all the time. And yet they got no problem participating in that very rift when the federal government's signing the checks. I mean, except for what was the one time it was, um, Skeletor, what's that guy governor with that old governor who's a Senator now, um, who made all that money on like scamming Medicare. He, I think it was it him or it was one of the guys like the federal government wanted to give a bunch of money to expand Medicaid. And he was like, nah, which at the, the argument was, Oh, it was DeSantis though. I think it was DeSantis. And the argument was, no, what? it was years ago. Actually, someone from Florida has to remember like almost no one's from Florida is the problem. <laughs> but, um, wasn't Christ, Christ, wasn't Nelson. No, it was Scott. No, no. Uh, Who's Skeletor? Like the tall, skinny guy. He's like super skinny. He's got like white hair and like he's receded like a Jean-Luc Picard. Anyways, the whole thing was that, okay, if we take the money now, eventually the government, the federal government's going to stop giving us the money and then we'll still be on the hook to keep paying for it. That was the argument. So whether that's a valid argument or not, I don't know, but that's, that was what they were arguing at the time. Oh man, I'm going to drink a little bit of water. Excuse me. That's your second bottle? Yeah, I know. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I know. It's so hot in here. So, <laughs> so I'm just like sweating out all of it. You know, that's one thing that's going to happen is that when, when you're doing it from home, it's going to make my room a little less hot. That is true. The apartment is really weird. So the way the ducting works is that most of the AC goes to the living room and almost none of it reaches the bedroom for some reason. Well, it's a lot bigger space to fill. So, Yeah. I don't know. I think maybe I'm going to have to like decrease the size of the vent that goes to the living room. And I can't, I don't know. I'll, I'll figure it out one day, but, but I will be, I will take advantage of your unpresence next week. And I'll also try to lower the temperature a little bit bef beforehand. I forgot to do that today. I did that last week. It helped a little bit, not completely. It's podcasting is tough. You know, like when you got the spotlight on you and you got the record button, you know, like the red, the big red light, it, it, it's, it's intimidating and you start to get all like flustered. So if I'm going to start doing it from home, are we going to still record on this thing or I'd rather do it for, 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 for my setup? 
Oh man. So uh, one like of us is going to have to clean methodology. Feed. Yep. Oh man. We're going to have to, we have to like do some sound testing beforehand even to, to make sure that it works. So maybe it won't start next week, but something definitely to consider. Okay, it's going to happen in the near future. We, we got to get ready for it. Maybe I got to upgrade my internet. Actually, you know, I, um, so I, I've been thinking about relaunching a podcast that I had started. Gosh, it's more than a year ago now. And I haven't updated it in a long time. It was called Premcast. And one of the reasons why I didn't keep going with it was that I, I didn't really feel comfortable with the format. So the, what I was doing at the time was writing a short little essay, kind of like what I do with Bitcoin Brunch, and then riffing off that essay or whatever after I read it. You know, so I would like read it and then I would just start ad-libbing. And that... So the reason I wrote it was because I wanted to have some sort of direction with the episode, but the reason I kept it really short was that I didn't want to script the whole episode. I think I'm just going to script the whole episode from now on. Um, so I'm going to so when I have an episode where it's just me blah blah blahing, I'm going to script it, but I want to also have long format interviews. So the idea would be, you know, like I could talk to someone like Roz but, you know, we would just talk for as long as we wanted. There would be, you know, whenever he got tired or if he had to leave, then we could end the conversation. But otherwise, it would just be like, let's go to town. And I don't know if it's like, I think the only, uh, what's this, Joe Rogan, right? Like, I think he, I, I haven't seen too many episodes of his, so I don't know like the whole context of his format, but I know that he does really long episodes. So it'd probably be something kind of like that. I don't know if I would do it in person or if I would do it over the internet. The, the lag over the internet is a little, is a little weird, but that's, we're going to have to deal with that. If you're, if you're home. Um, I mean, I think clean feed would be pretty fine. Yeah. You think the latency is a little like better. They use like it a- for, for like multi-track recording, like, like, professional stuff so it should be fine okay yeah. and we've done it a couple of times when we recorded um when we kind of had a podcast going what was it called again um retuned oh man retuned yeah. that was when we were t- talking it was we were trying to do a podcast about covers right we would just listen to like music on the internet and find covers about it and just criticize it or say it's, it sounded nice but yeah mostly criticize and you know the interesting thing about covers is that you get all kinds, right? Like you, you search for a song and you'll be surprised how many people have just done a version of the song. And a lot of them will be pretty lame and just repetitive. You know, the, like they're doing kind of like a carbon, like their attempt at a carbon copy of a particular version of a song. But you also come across like renditions that are more creative and interesting. So that's always fun. Like I, I do like listening to covers, but... It, I think one of the reasons why we didn't keep going with that is that there's just a lot of copyright concerns, you know, just like playing music that's just completely, you know, like all these people are playing copyrighted music, like they are performing copyrighted music. And there's all kinds of questions about, you know, who, whatever, like the legality of it. So maybe one day when we have um, the sovereign hosting, (laughs) you know, that's something that actually maybe we'll bring it up in the next couple of weeks is impervious 
uh, browser. Like, I don't know if you heard about it, but it's like a Bitcoin focused kind of. Real quick though. I mean, even if you were self-hosting, like they'll still go off your, your ISP. Well, if they can track it, right? But there's there's got to be some way to like encrypt the data so that the ISP can't see that you're. I mean, <laughs> but then you're increasing latency. Well, I guess it doesn't really matter. Yeah, that doesn't matter. Yeah, it's, it's not alive. Like it's not yeah. going to be alive. Whatever. So so Premcast. I'm going to be relaunching Premcast. It's going to have live format interviews, and then also eventually I am going to have the Bitcoin Brunch podcast. Eventually. Um, I, one of the things that's kind of stopping me with that one is the scheduling. Like, how do I do the scheduling? Because so I want to do it at Bitcoin brunch from 1030 a.m. to 1130 a.m. is the idea. So that it's like really early. Most of the people haven't gotten there yet. It's kind of early in the day. I wanted to keep it short. The issue is how do I set the calendars? And this is kind of funny because it came across some kind of a discussion about this recently. And someone was like, just just talk to people and like put it in a calendar. And I'm like, I could do that, but it seems like a lot of work, but maybe I'll end up having to do that. So the idea is I have to, I have to have, you know, two to three people every Sunday to do the show. I don't know. I don't know how well it's going to work, man, because it's like, I guess there's only two, three people there, but you know, if, if everyone's listening to each other through headphones, like, are you going to have like a little speaker set up for, for people to listen who aren't, well, the people who aren't on mic will, can just hear them talking, right? Like they could just sit there and hear them talking. Suppose. There's well, no suppose. That's the way it would work. Why are you so negative? That's my job. <laughs> I mean, I definitely won't be there because I'm going to start showing up to brunch again. In the next couple of weeks, I'll be able to, but I'm going to get there after 12. <laughs> yeah. And anyways, I mean, the idea is I want to get people who are a little more versed and like people big, have something to say. Well, yeah, sure. People have something to say, but like people who also have more of like more Bitcoin theory and technology and stuff so that they have not just something to say, but, but that in saying it, they will educate the people who listen to the show. That's the whole idea is that I kind of am trying to start the discussion, but I want to give people who have the understanding and the skills like the room then to address what I'm bringing up with their expertise. I hope you're able to get a lot of episodes out of it. Like, are you going to do it every week or is it every month or the idea is to do it every week because well, yeah. Right. Because I mean, I've written like, there's, there's a lot of essays, so (laughs) I don't know, you know, cause I might end up doing it maybe like a batch of episodes at a time. So maybe I won't do it. Sundays at 1030, maybe I'll do it like on a Saturday once a month and I'll do like four episodes on uh, that Saturday. Okay. You know, I don't, I don't know yet. Yeah. It's, I think it's just, this, the scheduling thing. Like you said, like getting the people who you want, who will be able to contribute there every Sunday, that's not going to happen. So it'd be, have to be one Sunday a batch or you do it once a month. It's definitely easier to do it. Yeah. Once a month. And then I could broadcast, you know, each essay, like on a different week, it just, you know, split it up. Um, you know, we'll see by talking about it, you know, by projecting it into the universe, I'm, um, you know, what, what, what do they call it? Like wishful, it's not wishful thinking. It's affirmative thinking. It's aspirational thinking. There's some word I can't remember, but they're like, think this way and you'll make 
things happen. Reminds me of that dumb movie, The Secret. The Secret, exactly. But there's <laughs> some word that they use. Um, I don't remember what it is. Someone has to know. It's, it's like, if you you know, you got to keep thinking about what you want and it tells the universe and the universe will make it happen. For I you. keep saying, I want a Ferrari. It's going to happen. <laughs> oh, man. Roz said it's crazy that Sam Bankman Freed was listening. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that was. I mean, it wouldn't even surprise me if, if that wasn't him. That was Ross. <laughs> oh, man. Um, oh, I've been looking at the wrong chat. I'm like, oh, no one's talking. <laughs> well, pretty much no one is talking. I don't hold That's it against okay. them. It's Saturday. I'm tired, too. But I, I really appreciate everyone who did take the time to listen to us tonight. And um, you have to imagine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But what do they call that when you're imagining what you want? You know, it's like, okay, you want to be a millionaire? You got to constantly be affirming that you want to be a millionaire. Yeah, it's a word. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, it's going to drive me crazy. Like I'm probably going to think about it tomorrow. And then hopefully someone will come to brunch tomorrow after having listened tonight. And they'll tell me, Bram, it was this, it was like this, you know, I don't know. That movie was really popular around the time with that other movie with um, the whole talking about that, that one guy who, um, <laughs> who you could put emotions into water and shit. And like you put it under a microscope and you see the, the emotions. We're, being, the, the, we're the worst crystal. people in the world. We don't know the, what, what is it anything. called, right? Like <laughs> I don't remember anything. The power of water. <laughs> okay. So the moral of the story is don't watch the secret, but just keep thinking about what you want and telling the universe that you want it. Well, I mean, obviously, if you're, if you're constantly person, thinking about something, <laughs> then know, you're right? going to work toward say, it, right? Like, yeah, if you, if you just constantly keep it at the front of your mind, then every opportunity that will bring you closer, you will say, hey, this opportunity will bring me closer. Let me take advantage. And then every opportunity that doesn't take you closer, you'll be like, hey, this doesn't have anything to do with this thing I keep thinking about. So I'm going to ignore it. It's like, it's like my, my mom is my stepmom, right? And uh, she, like, they're old. They don't need a car anymore. They don't drive, right? So it's like the conversation came up, like, let's just sell the car, you know? Why are you paying insurance for it? And she's like, no, no, no. God gave me this car. I And she would tell me the story about she asked God for this car. She saw it years ago in a magazine. I love that kind of car. I want that car. God's going to give it to me. God's going to Years later, you know, she meets my father and they need a car and he gets a car that looks somewhat like it. <laughs> and to her, that's God giving her the car. Aww, that's so cute. So like, you don't want to sell it because God gave it to me. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like you already got it. It's like you got it. You can get it up. You can give it up now. You know, like you used it. You enjoyed it. Like, you don't even drive, lady. But that's attachment. It's, a, it's uh, you know, attachments can sometimes... Uh, hold us down or weigh us down. Yeah, you pay a thousand dollars every six months. Fucking insurance. Oh gosh. Oh. Oh man, I do pay car insurance, but it's it's one of those. That's the kind of thing that I don't like to think about. You know, like I compartmentalize that and put in my archive so that I don't have to worry about. Um, but I do eventually, like when it renews. Well, oh. I'm counting down the days till hurricane season's over. I could finally bring down my shutters. Oh yeah. Oh shutters, man. Like the shipyards got shutters all over all the, the windows. We didn't put, we didn't do anything like that. I don't think any of my neighbors did that in our building. Um, we didn't really expect much. Maybe we're irresponsible. Maybe most of us have, I think, impact windows. I don't think I do. No. <laughs> but, but, you know, but my, my, my windows have held up pretty good so far. So I'm, I'm not too worried. Um, 
you know, hurricane seasons are fascinating experiences for people who are not from uh, areas that have hurricane seasons because we get hurricanes and we get tornadoes, not as often as people who just get tornadoes, but we also get hurricanes and hurricanes are like way bigger than tornadoes. Thousands of times bigger than tornadoes. I don't I, What? So we're planning to go to... You said you wanted to go to a farmer's market to find meat, right? But I, I, I would love to find an actual farm to go oh, to okay, the farm. Okay, but farms are far. Well, yeah, And duh. the farmer's market's in Hollywood. So that's Where's like, that one farm we went to that one time? Far. Well, isn't that far. We can look it up and we can go back there, but I'm pretty sure it was far. So the idea is that so at the, blue, at the yellow green farmer's market, it's not really a farmer's market. It's like a... Like a Whatever. Swap shop. Yeah, but it's it's pretty nice actually. And so they're open on Saturdays and Sundays, and they have an outlet of something. I think it's called Florida Fresh Meat. And so it is some kind of like a a, a vendor for a bunch of meat producers in Florida. I think we just lost internet. What? Okay, it's back. Is this my thing was like, oh, lost connection. Oh man, that's depressing. Let me see if we're still. Oh yeah, we're still broadcasting. I mean, we're about to end the show, but we are definitely still broadcasting. Did you hear that Amazon bought um, the swap shop? Like, oh, that property. Oh man, so they're going to build some like huge Amazon distribution facility right yeah, in Sunrise. In Fort Lauderdale, there's a huge bunch of land which would would be like a like a flea market swap shop type thing. But and they also, also had. Um, well, this a drive-in theater, a bunch of shit. Yeah, a drive-in theater. And there was a building that's kind of like a, a janky mall. Um, and then they have like an outside swap shop. And, you know, um, they, they have a, a classic automobile museum. I've been I've, I've been to that drive through But so probably Amazon is just going to destroy all that. Yeah, and they also bought another property somewhere in the West Broward area. So they're going to start building up. Yeah, they're going to definitely change the landscape. Well, the landscapes are always changing. It's, um, you know, what can you do? Life goes on. Uh, I still buy shit from Amazon. I hate myself. Uh, one day I'll free myself of that burden. One day. In the meantime, it's Saturday. I want to thank you all for spending this time with us. And I want to remind you, this is a value for value podcast. We do this for fun. We love to do it. Even if we have to go to sleep in like two minutes, <laughs> but we're here. So um, we love it, man. And if you, if you enjoy our time, please send that value back in any way. Let us know what's going on. Send some feedback or just send some sats. This was lit.